God says, I know the plans. You don't need to know them. But maybe he gives you a word. Maybe you in your marriage right now are absolutely struggling and you don't know a way out, but God's word for you is stay. And you don't know how it's going to heal and you don't know what it's going to look like in a year, but God's word for you is stay. Maybe you got some ministry here at peace on your heart. Maybe you're thinking about switching jobs. Maybe God's word for you is trust. Maybe you're getting ready to go off to college. Have a child, adopt a child, foster a child. Maybe you're getting ready to retire and you don't know what that looks like. Maybe God's word for you is follow. Follow me all the days of your life. The following is a sermon from Peace Lutheran, a church located in downtown Aiken, South Carolina. For more information and for more content, go to peaceinaiken.com. What a joy it is to be here with you in the house of the Lord, in which we get to, to step away and we get to rejuvenate and we get to find hope in something that is real that is the love of Jesus Christ for you. Before we dive into God's word this morning, let's bow our heads in prayer. Lord God, you are good. You are good all the time. We thank and praise you for your love that we have never seen in anyone else before. We thank you for your grace and forgiveness. And we thank you for the hope that we have in everlasting life with you. Lord, this morning, as we have a million things going on in our lives, calm our troubled hearts, still our wandering minds, and help us to find in you what you, you alone can give, and that is real hope for real people. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In Sunday school growing up, um, in, in something like Peace Kids, right, it was one of those, those Sunday school stories that you just, you just remember. I got to share it with you today because it's the precursor to our text. So throughout this sermon, we're going to get into our text. It's only three verses long, and it's this beautiful progression of God calling people to follow and to serve and to see their response. But before we get there, we have to go back into 1 Kings chapter 18 to a place called Mount Carmel. Growing up, by the way, Carmel was my favorite type of dessert. Carmel was my favorite type of ice cream. So it wasn't a place that I would easily forget. And yet, on that mountaintop, it had nothing to do with caramel ice cream or sundaes or cookies, it had everything to do with the power of God. And so you have a prophet named Elijah, who you probably know, and then you have the prophets of Baal. It's this standoff of all standoffs. It, it is the fight that you would pay a million dollars to watch on pay-per-view. It is this epic battle between the righteous and holy God of grace that we still serve today versus false gods of fertility and rain. They're known as the prophets of Baal. Here is Elijah. And Elijah, through the power of God, challenges the prophets of Baal to a duel. But not with swords, 
No, a prophet had a duel set out on an altar. And so Elijah creates an altar with wood and 12 stones for the tribes of Israel, puts a bull on the altar, and the prophets of Baal do the same. Elijah told the prophets of Baal to douse his three times in water so that the water flowed over the sacrifice into a trench around it. This was going to be a duel for the ages, one we're still talking about 3,000 years later, and we need to know what happened. The prophets of Baal were going to go first. They were going to take turns. They called to their God, the Baal. They called down to him, and they prayed, and they chanted, and they danced, and still nothing. And Elijah begins to taunt them. They said, he says, maybe he's sleeping. Maybe he's taking a break. Maybe he's on vacation. Maybe your God just can't hear you. So you know what they did? They started slashing their arms. They started bleeding all over the place just to try to get the attention of their God. And do you remember what happened? You're exactly right. Nothing. It was Elijah's turn. Elijah steps up to his altar again, 12 stones for each of the tribes of Israel, a bowl on wood doused in water, and he prayed, Dear Lord, show them that you are God. And I want to live in that for just a moment. Elijah in the face of confrontation, Elijah in the face of unbelievers, what did he do? He didn't rely on his own power. He relied on the power of God, and God sent fire from heaven to burn up the altar. But it didn't just burn up the altar. It didn't just burn up the sacrifice. It burned up the stones, It licked up the water. It burned up the soil. God of all gods, grace of all grace, the Lord is God. That's what the people chanted. And you would think that in this moment of victory that Elijah would be elated. You would think that in this moment of ministry, victory, that Elijah would just live in it and exist in it and praise God for it. But he doesn't. He fears for his life. And Elijah runs. Do you know how far he ran? Because of how fearful he was, he ran 100 miles. He ran from Aiken to Columbia and back, and he just kept on going because he was so afraid. For his life. And when he gets to this place where he thinks he's safe, do you know what he cries out? He cries out, Lord, I've had enough. Take my life. You're talking about the highest of highs to the lowest of lows. You are talking about a burnt out minister of the gospel who is at his breaking point and he cries out, Lord, I've had enough. Take my life. Do you know what it's like? Why am I even asking? Because you do. 
Maybe some of you, maybe some of you have said those very words, Lord, I've had enough. I've stated them myself, either mentally or verbally to my wife. Lord, I've had enough of this. And see, I can't know what's going on in 120 people's lives, so you, God's people, have to fill in the blank. Lord, I've had enough of this. There's some as a pastor that come directly to my heart, directly to my mind as I serve God's people in Columbia. Lord, I've had enough of this physical pain and these doctor's visits. Just take my life. Lord, I've had enough of this economy. I've had enough of inflation and rising gas prices. I've just had enough. Lord, I've had enough of losing the people I love. I had to say goodbye to my mom and now my dad. Lord, I have had enough of change in my life. I have had enough of being let down by the people that I love. Lord, I've had enough. And the list just keeps going, so you fill it in. Because you know what it's like. Because you're real people like Elijah who get burnt out. And you're real people like Elijah who hit a breaking point. And you know what God doesn't do? This is vital to this entire text. Do you know what God doesn't do? He doesn't reprimand Elijah for hitting a breaking point. He doesn't curse him for hitting a low. No, you know what God does? God gives him a way out. And we got to see that. We have got to see that God comes to burnt out people and gives them hope in their hopelessness. We have got to see that God gives wandering people a direction forward. We have got to see that God is still doing this today. And so he comes to this burnt out, lowest of lows, prophet of God, and he says this. I want you to do three things, Elijah. I want you to go anoint two kings, one over Aram and one over Israel, and then I want you to go anoint Elisha, to succeed you as prophet. And it's in this moment that Elijah's mind was probably doing gymnastics like you have never seen before. What's going to happen, Lord? Where do I find him? How long is it going to take? How much longer do I have as a prophet? Are you going to provide for me? What does this look like? He could have rattled off question after question trying to figure out the details. Because that's what we do. We want to know what it's going to look like in my life in 10 years. Lord, lay out every step for me, please. How long is it going to take to get a new pastor? What's it going to look like? What are the logistics like? How long is he going to be here? How much is it going to cost? We like to do this. We like to know every single step of the way. And God doesn't do that. God often gives us a command, a simple command. And here's what happens in verse 19. Look at this. If we can bring it up on the screen, verse 19. So Elijah went. He went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak Around him. This is incredible. 
people of God, and there are oxen, and there are sacrifices, but let's just keep it simple today. Elijah went. Do you know that there were no words spoken from Elijah after God called him to go? He just went. This is not a small thing. This is not a small thing that Elijah would heed the calling of God and simply trust in him to go and do what God commanded. It's not a small thing that he went and there are no words spoken. He simply takes his cloak and he throws it around Elisha as he found him plowing with 12 yoke of oxen. So here's what we know. Elijah's burned out. Elisha's a farmer plowing with oxen, doing the work himself. And Elijah, this seems so weird, just runs up to this dude he's never met, wraps a cloak around him, and says zero words. Kind of weird, right? This is actually a, a huge moment. Because this signified to Elisha that he was chosen by God to succeed Elijah in the ministry as prophet. No, it's not a small thing that Elijah went when God called him, but we need to see where Elisha was in his life. He was doing what he always did. I don't know, anybody in here farm? Anybody grow up on a farm? I grew up in the middle of Nebraska, in the middle of absolutely nowhere, and every, every fall, one of our church members would take me in his combine, and he would teach me how to farm. I was six. We ate these little, these little white powdered donuts, I'll never for, like the donuts or whatever those things are, and I'll never forget how he taught me so much about the Lord while farming. And we weren't running a plow, we were running a big combine, but we never once looked back. He got up early and he went to bed late. You ask any farmer and their work ethic is beyond all work ethics. They have a routine and they do it day in and day out and they never complain. They just go. And they keep going and they keep doing and they keep plowing and planting and harvesting and that's what farmers do. They get in a routine and they just go. So I need, to see, I need you to see in this moment how Elisha's routine is broken by this unbelievable, unimaginable calling from God that while he's plowing, doing the thing that he has always done, God calls him to uproot his life and go and serve him. Now, this is not a small thing that God would call Elisha out of what he has done his entire life, out of his routine, and as people who don't do well with change, maybe we can understand how Elisha would struggle. What's going to happen to my family when I leave? Who's going to provide for them? Who's going to man the plows? How long am I going to be prophet? Where am I going, Lord? You see the questions that start to come into our minds as God's people? Look what happens now in verse 20. Elisha left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? You remember the gospel lesson? Jesus said, don't go bury your father. Don't go take care of the things you have to take care of. Just follow me. But Elijah grants him this moment to go back and say goodbye to his parents. I get it. 
Every time I see my parents, it's an incredible blessing, especially as they get up there in years. And I, I ponder it. I cherish it. I, I love it. He says, let me say goodbye. And so here's what happens in verse 21. Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then they set out to follow Elijah. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. Do you know what God doesn't do for Elisha here? God doesn't answer his questions, but what God does do for him is call him to serve him all the days of his life with no words. So I want you to think about this in, in your life of how God often calls us with a word or no words at all. When God went to Abraham, all he told him was go. One word, go. When God went to Moses and, call, and called him to go save his people, he said go. That was it. When God called Peter to walk out on the water, he used one word, come. God doesn't lay out all of the plans that he has for us in our lives, and yet he gives us a promise that I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. God says, I know the plans. You don't need to know them. But maybe he gives you a word. Maybe you in your marriage right now are absolutely struggling and you don't know a way out, but God's word for you is stay. And you don't know how it's going to heal and you don't know what it's going to look like in a year, but God's word for you is stay. Maybe you got some ministry here at peace on your heart. Maybe you're thinking about switching jobs. Maybe God's word for you is trust. Maybe you're getting ready to go off to college, have a child, adopt a child, foster a child. Maybe you're getting ready to retire and you don't know what that looks like. Maybe God's word for you is follow. Follow me all the days of your life. Maybe God doesn't flesh out everything for a reason because he wants us to rely and to trust and to follow and to lean on him just like Paul, to know that we don't have to have the answers of what the economy is going to look like in two years. That we don't have to have the answers of how I'm going to have to provide in retirement if I reach X age. God says, trust in me. Follow me. Lean on me. And therefore, we can boast in our weakness. Because you know this. Paul says, when I am weak, then I am strong. Because I find my strength not in myself, but I find my strength in the Lord. And you see, it would have been one thing. It would have been one thing if God called Elisha to a ministry that would be easy. To promise him success and fame and money and his own viral YouTube channel. It would have been one thing if God promised him, I'm going to take you here, 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 and here and bless you every single step. God never did that. In fact, do you know the world Elisha walked into? 
an apathetic world toward the word of God? An unchristian world that hated Christians? He walked into a field that was going to be incredibly difficult to plow and sow with the word of God. He walked into a storm in which he was called to be steady and to lean on the rock of Jesus Christ. And my dear friends at peace, nothing has changed. It would be one thing if God called your new pastor to an easy life. It would be one thing if God called him into a ministry that wouldn't have any bumps in the road. It would be one thing if God promised him fame and success and his own viral YouTube channel. But no, God called your new pastor into an apathetic world where non-Christians are hostile towards Christians in which there will be many hiccups and bumps in the road. And yet, he has heeded the call. And God says, go. But not just to your pastor, not just to your vicar. He says to you, God's people, go and make disciples. And so one of my my favorite things here at Peace is walking around and asking you, which I did about 10 of you this morning, how long have you been here? There's a reason I ask that question. It gets you to go back. It gets you to go back and think about God's grace bringing you here. If this is your first time, then this is part of your story too. How long have you been here? Well, God brought you here. And you look back and you say, wow, God has sustained me in my life. God has provided and protected and governed. And he has been with me every step of the way. And a lot has happened since then. But man, God is good. And God has been there every step of the way. And you know what doesn't change people at peace? the same command God gave you eight years ago and today and forever. Go and make disciples. He doesn't tell you where you'll find them. He doesn't tell you how you'll reach them. He doesn't tell you how long they'll stay. He just says one word. Go. And then trust. And then follow. And then know that the Lord is God. And you see, you and I, we struggle with that. But I wonder, with people who struggle to embrace change, I wonder what it would look like if we just embrace change with confidence and stop trusting in ourselves and start trusting more in God. I wonder what it would look like if every young, middle-aged, or older man who had ever considered ministry would just go. It doesn't make logistical sense. It doesn't make financial sense. You think about what you're leaving behind. Do what Elisha did. Burn the plows, slaughter the oxen, have a steak feast for your friends and your family, and go. I wonder what it would look like if every single ministry on your heart right now in this place, if you said, I'm just going to do it. I wonder what it would look like if we, as, our look at, as we look at our lives and the way God has blessed us, said it is non-negotiable. I am going to tithe to the Lord, and after that, I'm just going to simply trust that the Lord is going to continue to provide. People ask all the time, how do I know? How do I know God will be with me? How do I know God will provide? How do I know something won't happen? You don't. But you know that the Lord is good. 
And you know that the Lord has plans for you to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you hope and a future. What I'm talking about is being bold in ministry. What I'm talking about is looking ahead and not behind, and that's hard. What I'm talking about is setting the plow in the ground and going and planting the seed and watching the harvest of our good Lord Jesus Christ. What I am talking about is mimicking Jesus. Because what did he do? He went. He left heaven and he came down to an impoverished earth. And it would have been one thing if God called Jesus to an easy ministry. It would have been one thing if God called Jesus to come to this earth for fame and power and monetary success and the promise of, of his own viral YouTube channel. I want that channel, by the way, of Jesus. He didn't. He promised him pain and suffering and agony and death. And it's not a small thing. Because Jesus went for you. He didn't even have all the answers. Jesus didn't know what it was like to be a human. He didn't know what it was like to suffer and die. Hebrews tells us he learned obedience from what he suffered. And yet he went to save you and to forgive you. And he went to the cross. And just look at what Jesus Christ did. He went so that you could be with him. He went so that you could be forgiven. He went. And it's not small, it's big. You might say, Pastor Joe, every Sunday at peace, all we hear about is Jesus. Good. Keep it that way. Trust him, follow him, learn about him. Because it's everything we have. It's all that we have. And I don't know what it looks like here in a year. I don't. I know it's tough to plow in Aiken, and I know it's tough to plow at peace. It's the same in Columbia, and yet we go, and yet we plow, and yet we sow the word of God, and yet we trust that the good Lord will provide a harvest of righteousness because we don't grow the fruit. God does. And so we don't look back, and we look forward, and people of peace, there is a lot of change on the horizon if you didn't know it already. Vicar's about to say goodbye in a month, and you're going to cry. Your new pastor's going to say hello in a month with his wonderful wife, and you're going to cry. You're going to praise God, and then you don't know what ministry looks like. New ministries added, old ministries cut, new people coming in, God's church growing as it always has, because the Lord grows his church. We simply answer the call and go. So I want you to see that in Elisha today. I really, truly do. I don't encourage that you go home and burn your plows <laughs> and slaughter the oxen and just leave it all behind. But I do encourage this, to have confidence that the Lord goes with you. To be bold in your ministry of the gospel and to embrace change with confidence because with change and full reliance on the Lord, we know that He is good and that His mercy endures forever. God bless you, people of peace, with confidence, with trust, and with faith to go no matter what it looks like and to share the love of Jesus Christ. God bless it. 
for Jesus' sake, today and always. And God's people said, amen, amen.